This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast is presented by my delightful and important and vital Patreon members where you can become a member by going to patreon.com slash chase thomas writer again that's patreon.com slash chase thomas writer become a member make a five dollar month donation it's like a cup of coffee a month just like a, any other subscription to the new york times the new york post slate magazine the chase thomas podcast we're all one and the same that's what people are saying and you can support the show by doing that today it would be great in continuing to put out as much content as I am. Because guess what? I'm doing seven pods a week, sometimes more. We are doing interviews with pro wrestlers, former NBA players, NBA GMs, coaches, college coaches, college ADs. We are doing movie reviews on Sundays uh, that you can find with Musee and Thomas. Every single Sunday, we're reviewing a different movie. Uh, Monday through Friday, we're getting NBA, NFL, college football, Major League Baseball, team beat writers. You're getting pro wrestling analysis. You're getting the sports reporters. Reporters. What is it? I don't even know. America's favorite sports writers? I think that's what we're calling it. On Friday with some of the best sports writers and sports thinkers on the internet today. We are doing all this every single day. New content every day. You know what else I'm doing every day? I'm writing every day. You can read my Monday uh, Atlanta sports column. That comes out every Monday. On Tuesdays, you can read my Monday Night Raw recap. On Wednesday, you can read my Impact Wrestling recap. On Thursday, you can read... Hold on, let me check my notes here. I'm not sure off the top of my head. I'll come back to it. On Friday, the Friday mailbag. Um... Oh, I know what I'm doing on Thursday. We're doing the AEW Dynamite review. On Friday, we're doing the Nobody Asked Mailbag, like I said. Maybe that'll turn into an actual mailbag. If you would like to send uh, those, you can do so by going to uh, emailing me at chasemuspodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can read my SmackDown recaps on Saturday morning. You can read my newsletter that goes out every Saturday morning. We'll eventually have a tiny letter or Substack uh, once I get that pesky PO box, but I will update you all soon. And then uh sunday volunteers yeah every saturday guess who's in knoxville me guess who'll be covering tennessee football tennessee basketball for the next several years maybe ever me falls go go read my stuff um you can read all of it at chase thomas podcast.com i would highly encourage you to check it out chase thomas podcast.com slash page hyphen 11 where you can read all my stuff get access to all of my episodes all that good stuff Go to Apple, subscribe there, leave me five stars, leave a review, help the show continue to grow and move into that top 200 permanently on Apple Podcasts, subscribe on Spotify, tell a friend, share the show. This intro is three minutes long. That's entirely too long for an intro. Too long. And I just did a long pause. I don't know why. All right, Uncle Darren, let's go.
Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome to a Sunday edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. The full ride on the Chase Thomas podcast, the college football show that we do twice a week during the college football season on this very podcast. Uh, if you're wondering what happened to the Thursday episode that featured Matt Wyatt, that was the part one of the Friday Sports Reporters Assemble uh, edition of the podcast. Um, it's because I'm a doofus and I have never done this in 500 episodes of this podcast. I've never once accidentally deleted an episode before I uploaded it. And that's what I did Friday morning, very early in the morning. I hadn't had my Cajun sausage, hadn't had my coffee, hadn't had my scrambled eggs. These are excuses, but ultimately I take the blame. It was a great episode, um, probably the best. It will be lost in the archives forever, but um, we are going to get through it, Matt Green, because guess what? Because of that lost episode, do you know what you get to do? Do you know what happened because of that lost episode? Fill me in, man. You are now the 500th person guest on this very podcast. And if that had not gotten lost in the archives. Guess what? You're not number 500. So congratulations. Well, uh, I feel honored. I feel like it was, uh, maybe it was, it was all worth it. Um, like you said, I think that was the best podcast we've ever done. So I think we've robbed the listeners of, you know, a great, a great episode, but, uh, you know, what can we do? Uh, shit happens and, uh, you just gotta, you just gotta roll with the punches. So, uh, I'm honored to be a part of this 500th episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. I like it. That felt very genuine. Um, Did you have a chance to listen to Matt White's uh, debut on the film study? I did. What'd you think? uh, It was good. I thought so. Yeah. I mean, that's, we're just a couple of schmoes just talking about what we think about college football. We actually, it's nice to get a, 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 uh, an expert that was, that played between the lines in the SEC. Yeah, I'm excited about that. That will be on this show uh, every Thursday, uh, every Thursday. So I'm very excited that Matt is going to do that for us. So Matt, thank you uh, for part one. And if you've not already, go check it out on the Friday episode um, that also featured Mike Mazio in New York and uh, Mark Zeno, uh, formerly of 680, um, back in Atlanta. Um but yeah, uh, don't forget to check out chaseonspodcast.com. Uh, listen to us on Spotify or Apple. And if you are an Apple podcast listener, what should people do, Matt Green? You gotta subscribe, man. And what else should they do? Once they subscribe and they listen to you gotta, our episode, uh, you, gotta give us some, you gotta give us five stars. Five stars. That's what they do. And they leave us a review and talk about how good of a job we are doing in making them money because they're betting using our picks, using our insight, using our analysis. I love it. You love it. Um, let's start with how we did. I, the listeners will not know how we actually did on Thursday, but we promise this is what we actually said on the Thursday show. This is all real. It's all documented. It's just not going to go in your your uh, your ears uh, from Thursday, but you get today's stuff instead. So, Matt. Do you have the numbers in front of you from this? I movie? do have the numbers. These are legitimate numbers. I can assure the uh, the people at home. I went a perfect 11 and 0. No, I'm just joking. 
But um, uh, on the spread... That's going to happen at some point. At some point, we'll see. But uh, we both had excellent weeks this week. So uh, versus the spread, you actually went 8-3 and three on the week. And I went 7-4. and four. So both solid weeks. But actually, overall, this is uh, interesting that you did so well against the spread at 8-3. and Because you went 5-6. and six. Ugh. And just in terms of win loss, and I went eight and three on uh, on win loss. So on the season, you have a two game lead against the spread. You're at twenty three and seventeen, while I'm a uh, twenty one and nineteen. And then on the overall just win loss, I have a two game lead on you, twenty seven and fourteen to your uh, twenty five and sixteen. Ugh. So it's uh it's right there. It's a it's a back and forth week in week out brawl we got on our hands. This is uh, this Thursday will be paramount in separating from the pack, I think, because um, one week one of us is going to be awful. One of us is going to be good. But we also just, uh, I think, think the same way about a lot of stuff. So I don't think we're going to this will probably go down to the wire because we won't be that that different um, throughout the season. Now, if we were only picking Sunbelt games, Matt Green, I'm I'm going to defeat it and you're going huh. just over. I think. Yeah, you know, you can uh, you can take that as a as a W if it, if it makes you feel good. But uh, now that the big boys are playing, you know, I've uh, I've really evened things out. Yeah. All right. Well, are you ready to get into this weekend's games? Absolutely, man. All right. So this weekend was a lot of fun. Um, I want to start with BYU. Because you're like, why? That they played on Friday night. They played Louisiana Tech. Um, BYU is now three and They beat the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs forty-five to fourteen. Zach Wilson is my my stud of the week. I'm getting it. I'm getting it done right now. Zach Wilson, twenty-four of twenty-six, three hundred twenty-five yards, two touchdowns. His numbers on the season are bonkers. And this game in particular, I went back and watched every snap uh, on Saturday that uh he took and he is just fun that guy is if he's not johnny manzel he's very close and he just plays at byu no one's watching but zach wilson is so much fun and he is leading that cougars team to three and oh and they're really good. Their defense is really strong. Zach Wilson has just figured out this offense with Grimes, the former LSU assistant. And uh, yeah, BYU is a must watch, folks. Tune into the Cougars. Go, go check them out. They're good. That's a great call, honestly. He he was 24 of 26 this weekend. He's now completing 83% of his passes on the Is that the not season. crazy? That is, uh, that's absurd. And he also had three rushing touchdowns. He's a... Uh, He's the Mormon Johnny Manziel. I think he might be onto something there. I don't know that he's Mormon, but I I just assume he's at BYU. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I was uh, I was very impressed by BYU. I heard some people, you know, kind of saying, "Watch out for Louisiana Tech. This is a really big spread," and BYU showed why it was a huge spread, and they took care of business. Yeah. I think something that would be easier um, as we do these um, these recaps, especially as more conferences start coming back, um, if we break them up by conference and just kind of talk about the conference as a whole and where they're at and um, what happened, because the Big 12 is uh, something that uh, I'm very much excited to talk about. But um, I want to 
just bounce around conferences and go through the games there and just think about um, where we're at there and all that good stuff. So Clemson, Virginia did not watch any of this. I watched um, the full recap and everything uh, this morning, but Virginia falls to one and one. Um, They look good the previous week. Trevor Lawrence, 25 at 38 through 29 through the air, three touchdowns. Um, Travis Etienne was <laughs> very active in the passing game. Like he's just the all, he's going to be the best back in the draft in 2021. Uh, five receptions, 114 yards, one TD. He's just the perfect, uh, back in today's NFL. Um, they demoralized Virginia. It wasn't that close. 41, 23 is the final there. They could have stepped on their necks more than they, they chose to, um, a crazy pick in this game. Did you see this interception? Yes, by uh, Andrew Booth, a big-time uh, true freshman. Just nasty. He odell it from defense, and uh, it was maybe my favorite play of the game. Play of the day? Play of the play? Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a Gwinnett County guy right there. Is he really? Where'd he He's go? From, uh, he went to Archer. Okay. Yeah, he was like top, top 40, top 50 player coming out of high school last year. He's big time. Okay. I like it. Um what did you make of Clemson beating Virginia? Did you watch any of it? Um, I'm not going to lie. I did not watch much of this game. I probably watched the highlights just like you did. I um, I was watching college game day on Saturday, and I was like in the other room, just heard, heard the TV on, and they're like, this is a rematch of the ACC championship. And I like had to think. I'm like, who who did they play in the ACC championship? And, oh, Virginia. Okay. The ACC is just like – it's just Clemson and everybody else. It's just – any given year, you have no idea who the who the five four or five loss team yeah. was that actually made the conference championship. But um, yeah, it was a uh, Clemson. I was surprised, kind of the score it stayed pretty close early, uh, at least respectable. But yeah, I mean the game was never really in doubt. Clemson took care of business, like we all thought. They're really not getting tested at all, and I wonder about that. Um, I mean, they're not going to. Oh, I guess. Next week we got uh we got Miami. So yes. that, that that'll be an interesting one. I really hope it's not a bummer. I real you know what I mean? We're like Texas AM, like people are like, oh, maybe this is the the time that Texas AM, but no. We'll we'll get to that. But I hope that's not the case in Miami, where we're all talking ourselves into Miami and then uh we just realize, oh right, there's a different tier in college football and Clemson's in a different tier. They just Alabama them where <sighs> yes, they're making strides, but um there is still a gigantic gap. Um, yeah, I don't know if my uh, if my want to just have a, a entertaining game for Clemson is is overtaking the reality that they're just on a whole other level than everybody else. But I feel like I'm starting to think with that defense, you know, De'Eric King, maybe maybe they got enough to to hang with them for four quarters. I don't, I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm going to say that, and then it's going to be 28-0 at halftime, and they're just going to blow Miami away. So I I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see what the uh, the line is going to be for that one next week. I, I'm very excited to see what it looks like uh, next week, um, but we'll have it. I'm sure it'll be on our be on our sheet. Uh, yeah, I would think that's that's college game day. Uh, is it? So I, I'm pretty sure. I think I saw that. That makes uh, sense. Yeah, so that should be. I think that's what like the third time Miami's been game day already this year in like six weeks. Yeah, that's what happens when you have like zero conferences playing. Um, <laughs> North Carolina goes on the road. We both, I think, called this or. I, I know I picked like this is where me picking the spread was was good is I had a my gut was telling me that look you don't go into Phil Jer- Jerkovic's 
Boston College. <laughs> Jeff Halfley's Boston College and expect to get out of get out of there with a an easy W. You just don't. And my man, Phil Jerkovic 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 whatever it is, former Notre Dame quarterback, 37 to 56, 313 yards, two TDs. They almost pull it off. Um, crazy two point uh, interception uh, to put the score at 26-22. The, the failed two point conversion keeps it from going to overtime. Sam Howell still fine. Um, I don't know. I, I think going back through this game, this was very close. These two teams are even. I think North Carolina is not the 12th best team in the country. And I think Boston College is building something that's as interesting as it's been since uh, Matt Ryan's been there. It's nice to see Boston College uh, starting to get back on track because the Adazio era was very depressing. And um, now they're uh, they're looking far more competent and North Carolina, I think, is a little overrated. Yeah, I think we were both pretty on point with this game. We both picked North Carolina win, but for Boston College to cover the spread, um, you know, maybe you can give them, cut them some slack that they ha- they did have two weeks off uh after their first game so maybe they're a little rusty but but yeah i think we were both saying it i just i need to see more from north carolina somehow all year last year just putting up stupid numbers making ridiculous throws and so far i just haven't seen it uh in the first two games of 2020 so i uh i would without a doubt say that north carolina is is definitely overrated at 12 so i'll be interested to see what they do moving forward yeah, I'm uh I'm excited to see what happens there because I don't think um they're as good as advertised. I think they're they're moving in the right direction, but I don't think this North Carolina team is going like eight and two or something like that. I think they're they're gonna stumble soon. Um Missouri. Just kidding, we're not we're not gonna get there yet. I have some. I was about to say I thought we were us I thought we were staying in the ACC. I thought we were going by excited. I'm excited. (laughs) Can I not just say I'm excited to talk about Tennessee, Missouri? Um NC State. Did you call this? Did you call NC State winning this game outright? Um, no, I did not. Okay, we both thought about it because, like, NC State a little bit better than people thought coming into this game. Leary throws four touchdown passes. Um, they come from behind, upset Pitt, classic Pitt game. Everything's going their way. They should win the ACC, whichever not Clemson division we call it, Coastal or the Atlantic. Who knows? I think it's the Atlantic. When you look at the standings this year, I think they're just taking the two best records. Like, Are they really? You, yeah, you look at the standings and they don't have it divided into Atlantic and Coastal. I think it's just just all 14 teams, well, I guess 15 teams with Notre Dame in there. So, yeah, it's, I thought that was interesting. Okay. But, um, but this was actually, this is my stud of the week. Oh, no. Oh, without a doubt. Devin Leary, man. <laughs> all right. 28 of 44, 336 yards and four touchdowns, including the uh, the game-winning touchdown with 23 seconds left. Uh, I was really impressed with uh, with NC State, how they looked on offense this week. That is fair. Um, and now I'm excited to see NC State fall flat this following week after a big win on the road against 24th-ranked Pitt. Who fall to three and one? The final there is thirty to twenty nine. Kenny Pickett ran the ball a bunch, fifteen carries for forty yards and two touchdowns. Um, just a dumb bad pit loss. If you want to be in that upper echelon, you want to be treated like the Notre Dames and and the uh, Miamis. You can't blow those games. You can't. You can't do it. And um, 
uh, I don't know. This has always been my my worry about this program um, over the last couple of years is like the defense is solid, the offense is it, but they just seem to do enough to hang around and be competitive and just upset teams that they should not beat and lose to teams they should not lose to. But that is where Pitt Panthers are at. Great uniforms, though. Just elite uniforms um, from them. So shout out to Pitt on that front. Uh, Virginia Tech, they go to Duke and a wild one beat the Duke Blue Devils who fall to 0-4. Um, I feel like you want Duke to win a game so bad. I feel like every week you seem like you're just you're on the, the Chase Bryce bandwagon. I just feel bad. Well, A, uh, what a name. We we don't talk about it enough, folks. Bryce, you like that name, Bryce? I no, don't, there's I don't so think it's that great. that's the last name. Um, I was I, talking more I about know. the first name and the first name. I don't know if you knew this or not. Uh, we share a first name. Um, mm-hmm. Khalil Herbert deserves some love as like a maybe start of the week. Like our non, uh, our non picks. He goes twenty carries for two hundred eight yards and two touchdowns for Virginia Tech. They win. They drop 28 points in the second half against the Duke Blue Devils. They moved it to 2 and 0. Um Virginia Tech, they're I think they're like the Justin Fuente stuff was getting rocky. Like he was sniffing around other jobs and uh clearly not all the way invested. This is not uh the Beamer situation who's like I'll just stay here until I retire for after 20 years. Like I think Yeah, kind of wondered if he made the right choice to yeah. to leave Memphis if Virginia Tech was the right choice. Right. But, but yeah, it's looking better now. I like it. Um, what? Any thoughts and, on? Uh, and, yeah, I mean, I think it was big to get the win uh, once again without their starting quarterback. That's uh, that's two in a row without without their starting quarterback. I think that's that's big for Virginia Tech. We have to start looking at uh, does Cutcliffe retire at the end of this year? They yeah. go zero and ten, or they go like two and eight. Is this it for David Cutcliffe at Duke? <laughs> I can see it because they're probably not going to fire him. They're no, just like, just I mean, this guy's made Duke football more relevant than it's ever been. It's like we're we're on your time, man. Whenever, whenever, <laughs> whenever you're ready. It's like we respect it. Jacksonville State goes up fourteen nothing in Tallahassee. This was something that I told you that I was like, I I don't think this is going to be like a great Florida. This Florida State team is is atrocious. And Florida State has to rally 20 points kicking off the third quarter to get them back in front. They were down at the half, 21 to 14. <sighs> yes, they're Jacksonville State's an FCS power, but like this is this is bad. The one the one good thing I think I took from this game is that um, Blackman is done and Jordan Travis looks like a much better option under center. Yeah, I would agree with that. We yeah, we touched on this game for a minute. Uh, we're like, surely they're going to beat Jacksonville State. And then I think we both kind of hesitated. Oh, I I guess so. I, I would assume they're going to, of course, of course they're going to beat Jacksonville State. And then for them to go down 21-7, oh, man, I thought I was thinking the worst for them there for a minute. But, uh, yeah, they rallied in the second half and got the win over the Gamecocks. The the, the former Ryan Paralu, great, as uh, as you saw that one time. Last but not least, the Wake Forest Demon Deacons on uh, Friday evening just run away from the Campbell. What did you call them? Camels? Are they like fighting camels? The fighting camels, yeah. Um, they beat them 66-14 to 14, uh, to get their first one in the season. Dave Clawson on the win board. Good for him. Yeah, good for him. Um, Campbell, 
it's it's good to get a win. That's as much as you can say. Campbell isn't much of an opponent there. All right. Um, you ready to get into the SEC? You know it. All right, because I, I think we have to save the Big 12 for, for last. Um, and then some brief AAC uh, nonsense. But um, the Big yeah, 12... you put some respect on the AAC's name. Well, no, I don't have to, because UCF just lost at home to Tulsa. Um, Texas A&M goes on the road to Alabama at the 330 slot and get absolutely drubbed. Mac Jones goes 20 to 27, 435 yards, four TDs. He hits Jalen Waddle deep. He's John Mechie, the third deep. Um, Texas A&M, uh, still not close. It turns out, um, we, we were both pretty adamant, um, that there was no shot that this was going to be close, that people were talking themselves into it. Um, Kellamon just it hasn't looked good, and I just think he's regressed. And that offense is still not fixed. That offense is still just kind of a train wreck. And that defense just got demoralized by uh, Alabama. And Alabama looks more complete this year than they have in some time, where their offense is obviously devastating with Mechie, Waddle, and um, Najee Harris, and uh, uh, Devontae Smith. And defense with Dylan Moses being back and those guys they're just they're they're a complete Alabama team again and uh quite scary yeah for sure and and John Mechie the third isn't even one of these guys we knew about either that's just how loaded Alabama is now they got another guy that can just Mm -hmm. go for a 70 yard touchdown at any at any point but yeah, I think this is exactly it's good to see how Al- uh, Alabama get one of those guys. It's good to see. Yeah, you gotta <laughs> love it. They haven't they haven't scored enough eighty yard touchdowns the last two or three years. But um, yeah, this game went exactly how how we thought. I mean, other than maybe that A and M hung in there for probably a little longer than I thought. You know, it was what fourteen fourteen, and then uh, next thing you know, Alabama's up thirty five fourteen, and then it's just just going for. What they had touchdowns of of sixty three. I was looking at my notes. They had touchdowns of eighty seven, seventy eight, sixty three, and the pick six. So it's just Alabama's just too explosive. And yeah, I mean they essentially look like the exact same team, the exact same offense with with uh, when when Tua was at the helm. And now the defense looks a lot better than it's looked probably these last two seasons. Yeah, Bama. I think it's the best team in college football right now, and I don't. Like it's you're not going to believe this, but I think it's going to be very hard for uh, any team to go four quarters against uh, Clemson and Alabama. Um, Ohio State is basically the only one, and I'm I'm in that category right now. Sorry, Florida fans, you are the third ranked team in the country. Your offense is legit, but your defense is not. South Carolina scores twenty four. Did what was the over under on this one? Did I hit this? Because I said this was going to be closer than people thought. I thought. This was going to be a close game. Oh um, uh, yeah, you're right. It was a 17. Yeah, 17. there we go. I was like, let's go ahead and lock in Will Muschamp covering at the swamp. Um, Florida still gets the win. Kyle Trask goes 21 and 29, 268, four TDs. Um, Kadarius Tony six receptions, 86 yards, one touchdown. Uh, South Carolina do, did what they did last week, which was target Shy Smith in the passing game, hand the ball off to Kevin Harris. He had a little bit more success this week. Um, that South Carolina team, that schedule doesn't get easier. Uh, this bad loss for them, they didn't really look all that competitive. Uh, Florida is legit, but I that defense is bad. They they have one of the worst defenses in college football. And I know with Todd Grantham running things on that side of the ball, I know you love this. 
Oh, you know, I love third and Grantham, man. Mm. But uh, uh, yeah, that's the biggest. That's really the only question mark about Florida right now. Their offense is just clicking. You know, they're they're having a little more success running the ball, but I I feel like I'm still as far as when they play the big time opponents, I'm I'm still worried about Florida's lack of just kind of consistent run game. You know, they had a couple big. You know, they had like a big run with Kadarius Tony last week, but just not exactly the traditional running between the tackles. You know, and maybe you don't have to do that, but. So I'm a little worried about their running game, but yeah, their passing offense is just, it's been unstoppable. Kyle Pitts, like we talked about last week, is the best tight end in college football. But this, yeah, giving up over 100 yards on the ground uh, to Kevin Harris, and they they gave up 24, and I mean, if it weren't for that that awful throw and, and catch down there at the goal line there in the last minute, I mean... This could have been a 38-31 game with South Carolina kicking an onside kick to try to try to stay in it. So uh, South Carolina definitely stayed in this game, and um, I think yeah, you got to worry about Florida's defense right now. And but they got they got some time to uh, to get things straightened out. Billy Napier, the next coach of the South Carolina Gamecocks, true or false? Oh, uh, he might. I wonder if he'll wait out for, for something better, better than that. Like he's yeah, looking at Auburn. He's looking at Auburn right now. I think that seems like a more realistic. That looks more realistic to me. Uh, and I feel like South Carolina, Carolina fans just, think they can get these guys. It happens every year. They think that right? they can get the Tom Hermans, the just the Kirby Smarts. Like, uh, well, to be fair, supposedly they were in line to get Kirby, and that's that's what forced Georgia to make the move to fire Mark Rick. That you never know how how true those kind of that. rumors. Yeah, you never know how true those rumors are. But but yeah, it almost it just seems like South Carolina. They like Muschamp. It's like he's not a good coach, but they just like him. I don't know. He just seems to kind of embody that kind of blue collarness that uh, South Carolina's got going for him, the chip on their shoulder. But uh, at some point, I mean, how many games? How many games do they have to win for Will Muschamp's job to be safe? You know, if, if they win four games, I would say without a doubt his job is safe. But if they go two and eight, three and seven, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe the COVID thing could keep him to get him uh, to keep his job for one more year, but that seat's got to be getting warm. And it's not going to get any easier. I just feel bad for these programs where they just look at it, they don't get off to the start they want, and now you look at the SEC gauntlet, and it's like there's no wins coming. You don't have the Citadel in the schedule. Like there's they no got, they got the closest game. they got the closest thing next week because they do uh, they do get Vanderbilt next week. Oh, I think that's going to so be that, the SEC that's network be... alternate. That's gonna be probably that. That's gonna be the true tell uh, if if they've hit rock bottom or not. If they lose to Vandy next week, then it's just you might as well go ahead and, uh, and let Will Muschamp go. Saturday night, <sighs> Fowler and Herb Street called this game. Woo! The number four Georgia Bulldogs moved to two and zero after dismantling the Auburn Tigers. Uh, 27 to six here. Stetson Bennett goes 17 of 28, 240 yards and a score. Zamir White got off to a great start early. Uh, Kiaris Jackson did a great job of catching bad Stetson Bennett balls. So shout out to him for, ah. he, he throws a bad ball. It, uh, 
that one, that one on that was like a 50 yard. Yeah, that one kind of hung up there. But I mean, it was a 50 yard bomb. It was, it was a completion. Don't uh, you need to put some respect on Stetson Bennett? Look, 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 look. He's better than Bo Nix. So this is why, like, when we just think about star ratings and stuff like that, sometimes you just you gotta throw it out. Sometimes you gotta forget that part of it because Kyle Trask didn't even start in high school. He was behind Derek King, and he was, I think, a walk on at Florida. I want to say. Like I'm pretty sure he was not a he was not a anything star wise. I could be misremembering that, but I don't think so. And then he's the best quarterback in the SEC right now. And then you look at Stetson Bennett, just hanging around. There was a really good piece this morning. Um, I don't know if you read in the uh, Athletic by Seth Emerson about his rise and um, one thing that really benefited him. And I hadn't considered this with COVID and the lack of practices. Like Jamie Newman wouldn't have gotten a lot of practices. Dwan Mathis did not get a lot of reps. Um, he had the brain cyst last year, so he was not around to get second team reps. Like Stetson Bennett worked exclusively with Jake Fromm all last year. And yes, the offenses are different, but he got so many reps as the backup that he was actually more prepared than everyone on this roster right now because he just has been around. And he he transferred the, the Juco route. He came back. He was looking around. He didn't really want to go to Georgia from what I could tell from reading this piece. He just kind of ended up there. He waited it out. Kirby loves him. He just, he hung around like he's just a grinder. And then they call him, uh, I think a gamer. Is that what I see a lot? He's just a gamer. They call, a him, they call him the mailman. Well, they call him the mailman, but I think in the, in the piece he's referred to as a baller multiple times. And, I feel like that's what people say about those quarterbacks that like, you know, they're not like a first round, they're not like an NFL talent right. they're not like, they, yeah, but they just, they kind of get it done. You're just like, Hey, he's a gamer, man. It doesn't make sense that we, we, we call guys who are gamers where it's like, this shouldn't work, but you're, it, it works. That's a gamer. That's Baker probably uh, the ultimate gamer where you look at his size and the way he moves around. You're like, this should not work. And then it just works. It's funny you say that because that's what he, Stetson Bennett got so much hype for from uh, from the Georgia team was that uh, how well he he uh, played Baker Mayfield on the scout team. And so that's yeah. what everyone hyped him up for. But, yeah, they said uh, – I actually heard this weekend that um, he was apparently silently committed to our boy Billy Napier and the Raging Cajuns. And then uh, when Justin Fields transferred and – you know, they got Dwan Mathis. They they extended a scholarship to the former walk-on. So clearly Kirby thought enough of them to to give him a scholarship uh, after after he went the JUCO route. It could have been more out of desperation because we didn't have many quarterbacks on the roster, but he uh, Kirby definitely hit it with this one. Yeah, and look, I, I think this is a feel-good story. I'm not going to lie. I think this is a feel-good story. Am I kind of bummed that it has to come crashing down next Saturday? Look, no one wants to be the the team that dismantles Stetson Bennett, but the volunteers did not put their own schedule together. They are tasked with doing this to Stetson Bennett next week. Um, Jeremy Banks doesn't want to do it. Henry Tutua does not want to do it, but that is unfortunately the case and um yeah we'll uh we'll see about that 330 uh 330 cbs it's gonna be a good one but did you see the promos on espn early in the day for JT the georgia Daniels. auburn game what was that about like give this man some respect that's been it was the starter at least put like well to be you fair know, richard mccall been really weird about jt daniels they've been weird just, about what's going on there because yeah i just don't I've understand why that you would... his knee's bad like 
he he might not play at all this year. Like his knee might just need a full another year off. Like he doesn't trust it. There's some there's some Jimmy Garoppolo vibes there where Jimmy Garoppolo still doesn't trust his surgically repaired knee and he's wearing the brace and it's been now like two years. Like I uh I don't know if I'm a Georgia fan and I'm excited about JD Daniels, I'm a little bit nervous about it was where just you're at. it was just strange. Like Stetson Bennett has played six quarters of football now or six and a half quarters of football now and he's looked solid so but why it's are not, you talking it's not about a hype you don't want to put him on the the program now i guess you can yeah but. exactly put put richard lecount on there someone sure. someone you at least know is going to be playing in the game it's, i thought it was so weird to put a quarterback who has never played and he probably wasn't going to play and i just i assume the fact that kirby said on monday that he's cleared it seemed like just a you know give auburn a, a third quarterback to prepare for or something because uh, you had to assume Stetson Bennett was going to start after the uh, performance last week, but can we can we dig into this game and just talk about just the domination of of Auburn? Like Kirby Smart owns Gus Malzahn, honestly. Like that's that's what it is. It's now Georgia's now won thirteen of the last sixteen in this rivalry. In the last forty six possessions. For Auburn against Georgia, which is the last four games, they have four touchdowns in the last forty-six possessions. Georgia just—that's this is what this is what I said on uh, on Thursday. I just didn't think Auburn was going to be able to run the ball on Georgia, and they had twenty-two carries for thirty-nine yards. And Bo Nix was just running for his life all day. I feel like Georgia got after the quarterback so much better than they did all season last year, and Bo Nix was just running for his life. And I, I mean, how many times? How, have you ever seen a guy like flip flip the ball to just like a running back or just a random person in the backfield more in, in one game? He, he probably did that five or six times. He was just he was desperate. Georgia was getting after it, and uh, it was a it was a fun game to watch as a Georgia fan. It was a very stress free environment at my household. Yeah, I think Gus missed his moment in twenty seventeen because I think that Georgia team wasn't even close to. Uh, that Auburn team and they Auburn had to play him twice and if Auburn could have avoided that they win the national title that year and he still gets another 10 years at Auburn um, but how can you say they weren't close when they beat him 28 to 7 on a neutral site yeah it doesn't count uh carry on doesn't was count. no carry on was hurt that team that Auburn team was stacked and that was their year and uh it was unfortunate they had to play Auburn they had to play Bama they played Georgia Bama Georgia like that's just ridiculous and uh they have every right to crown themselves as the the champions if their schedule was uh not insanity um I don't know about all that but you you can uh, you can keep it going <laughs> um Chad Morris no. it turns out has not fixed that Auburn running game uh Cadillac Williams I think is the running back coach but uh it was not Cadillac Williamson tank and uh ronnie brown uh behind uh bo nicks in this game it bo nicks is just they're in the pistol all the time they he can't get comfortable he was having to throw it up like i was enjoying seth williams having to do everything and catching these jump balls and i forgot who he was going up against all night but um tyson campbell yeah they were going at it they clearly do not like each other and uh he was he was a dude like him and George Pickens are just next level receivers. And uh, I don't know. I think if I'm Seth Williams, I'm very annoyed about having to deal with the Bo Nix experience. And also just like how many more years do you have to do this with Bo? Like this is now year two. And if you're an Auburn fan, you don't feel good about this. Like if you remove the five-star label, you remove the fact that he was a five-star quarterback in the state of Alabama. 
And the dad son, right there. The son of a former yeah. Auburn quarterback. Like you yeah. all that. What is there to get excited about with him? What on the tape have you seen where you're like, this guy can win us a national championship? He's not Jarrett Stidham. He's not even Nick Marshall. He's not Cam Newton. He is closer he, to Brandon Cox than he's he looking is. like, yeah, like Kellen Mond. Right. Honestly, not even that. Jeremiah good. Johnson. Yeah, also I'll, I'll confidently say he's better than Jeremiah Johnson. <laughs> that was that was the ultimate preseason Heisman flop if yes. I've ever seen one. Uh, Along with JV Newman, <laughs> are we sure that Scott Lofler is not calling plays for Auburn? It it looked like the exact same team Georgia played last year. That's for sure. The um, for the first three quarters last year when Georgia had Auburn shut out, it was. It just looked like the same stuff. The Georgia's got so much speed on defense and just this this running side to side, this kind of cute run game, it just it doesn't work. I don't, and it doesn't seem to have ever worked. I mean, even even Mark Richt, like the last ten years Mark Richt was at Georgia, he was eight and two against Auburn. It seems like it's just been a long period of Georgia just kind of owning Auburn and like I like we said earlier, I feel like their offense only really works when they have that workhorse running back they can get to. Like we talked about with Carryon Johnson, like Trey Mason or something. It when they just have all these kind of running back like committee, these small guys. And I thought Tank Bigsby looked good. He and he made some plays uh, catching the ball too, but it just it wasn't enough for, uh, to do anything to this Georgia defense. No, um, Georgia's legit, and it brings me no. No happiness to admit that the Georgia Bulldogs are one of the best teams in college football this year. Um, Speaking of feel-good stories in the SEC, Arkansas goes on the road and beats Mississippi State 21-14. That Barry Odom defense is legit. Sam Pittman, the Pirate Slayer, goes and beats Mississippi State, who we can now confirm is going to be as mercurial as possible this season in the sec we don't know what we're gonna get barry odom uh played zone all day eight back they uh made kj costello very uncomfortable he goes 43 59 for 313 yards and one touchdown but he had a really bad game uh arkansas's offense wasn't good but guess what they didn't screw up enough where felipe franks did not screw up enough for them to lose this game on the road at miss state um yeah, it was a learning moment for Mississippi State, but Arkansas, they end the streak. They end the SEC losing streak. So good for them. And I, I was seeing a lot of Arkansas fans post stuff um, late Saturday, and it, it was just, it was nice. They've been through a lot. They have definitely been through a lot. And I got I to gotta love it for the pit boss, Sam Pittman, getting a W. But what it, what does this mean for the SEC on the whole? Is this just because Mississippi State is just, we're, we're just not going to know what they are week to week? Or, you know, how... How did what does this mean about LSU? The fact that Arkansas just beat the team that beat LSU. Like I feel like it gives me so many questions. But I think ultimately, I mean, Mississippi State outgained them 400 to 275 in total offense. I think this just shows like if you turn the ball over, like you you can lo- anyone can lose to anyone if you're going to turn the ball over four times. And our, obviously Arkansas took one of those uh back for a touchdown, so it was just it looked like a completely different KJ Costello. It looked like a completely different Mississippi State team. And you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to be a homer here. Maybe but maybe Arkansas, maybe they weren't as bad as we thought in week one. Maybe Georgia. The offense is bad. The offense is a train wreck, but yeah, the defense is. is good. 
The defense holding Georgia and also holding Mississippi State is impressive. Barry Odom is not going to be there. So if I'm an Arkansas fan. That's what concerns me. It's like we got our win, but like Barry Odom is too good to just be a defensive coordinator in the SEC. Like he's going to get another job. Like he will not be Sam Pittman's DC for three years. I I wonder. He I mean his uh his tenure as head coach of Missouri wasn't great. I mean he might get another job if he wants one, but uh yeah Good for you, him. Though. You got to be impressed by what Arkansas did for sure. LSU. Speaking of LSU, they bounced back on the road. That's like <laughs> the way to bounce back in the SEC this year is going to be when do we play Vanderbilt? Things are <laughs> things are tough, but when do we when do we have Vandy on the schedule? So basically, Vanderbilt just. A lot of problems still at uh, at the other Tennessee school in the SEC. Uh, they fall to 0-2 at home. Um, this game was on the SEC alternate channel. Cannot imagine why. LSU <laughs> moves to 1-1. One one. They are 20th in the country. They beat the Commodores 41-7. to Miles Brennan gets back on track a little bit. 23-37. Uh, 337 yards. 4 TDs. John Emery averages almost 10 yards to carry in this game. Um, look, the defense figured it out. They bounced back. I thought they would. Um, a lot of pressure on Bo Pelini to bounce back, but uh, not a lot to say about this game other than I think LSU is just not a, they're not terrible, but they're also just like, they're, they're just a, they're going to be a B plus this year. I think, I think they're going to go like seven and three, six and four and uh, be okay. Like they're going to be their Their defense getting stinger back was good. And uh, I don't know. I think there's still just too much talent on both sides of the ball for them to really fall off all that much. Um, yeah, I, um, I'm not really sure what conclusions we can really draw from this game. Like you said, Vanderbilt is essentially the the cupcake. It's the the citadel on and on SEC team schedule essentially this year. So LSU definitely righted the ship, but I don't really know what this means for them moving forward. They got Missouri next week, so that should be another easy one. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens from LSU. They looked a, they looked a lot more explosive on offense last or uh, yesterday. Well, speaking of Mizzou, just it's not often that teams can handle the Eli Drinkwitz second string quarterback when they walk into your building on Saturday at noon uh, to get your team up for that is is difficult. And Jeremy Pruitt deserves all the credit in the world for getting the balls <laughs> up for a hungry Missouri team that wanted nothing more than to steal a victory and ruin Georgia Tennessee the following weekend, but. Tennessee being the team that stood tall was impressive. And uh, it was a statement win uh, against a rising, rising Missouri team. It's uh, It was nice to see <laughs> that Sean Robinson, who got pulled from this game after throwing, let me check my notes here, zero yards. He was uh, very bad. And Is that bad? They pulled, it was bad. Connor Basilic comes in there. I had written down in my notes, this concerned me. Garantano... The best thing about him this year, the biggest difference, is he is a lot more efficient downfield, and he takes off a lot more than he did in the last couple years. He doesn't have the happy feet as much as he did. He's still not very good in the red zone. I'm still concerned there a little bit, but when you have Eric Gray, he's just kind of a cheat code when you get uh, when things get tight there. And look, Connor Basilic was like bouncing around. Like Missouri found their quarterback. Like that offense, they took exactly zero shots downfield. When they were down three scores, they were still not taking shots downfield. There was a lot of questionable clock management in this game. Um, the biggest takeaway, Cade Mays, is amazing. Like this offensive line with Smith and 
Mays and four or five stars, and they're all over 300 pounds. Like they are going to be able to run the football whenever they want. Eric Gray and Ty Chandler go for almost 200 yards. They both average over five yards per carry. Um, Eric Gray goes for 16 and 105 in TD. Got a lot of reception in this game. Josh Palmer got some bucket catches from Garantana down the sideline. Like they were complete. They, this game was never in doubt. This is kind of like what Georgia does. Like this is, it, it reminds me of the, the early Jake Fromm Kirby smart era where their offensive line is just going to do whatever they want to opposing defenses. They can run the football whenever they want. They have the two headed monster. Like look, Eric Gray and Ty Chandler are not Gurley and Chubb, but Eric Gray is Kamara 2.0. He's shifty. He's an ankle breaker. He's so much fun to watch. And Ty Chandler, when he breaks through to that second level, he's got a little chubbiness to him. They're both like kind of poor man superstars. Um, But I think Gray could be a superstar at the next level. And he's just, he's really, really good. Um, But yeah, like I think uh, the defense has got some dumb stuff that they still got to figure out. Um, They're a bend, don't break type deal. But they had a really good goal line stand in this game, Henry Toto was on fire per usual. They got a lot of pressure. Bryce Thompson had his uh, moments where he was jumping plays. Um, but yeah, they uh, they benefited a lot from that. But if I'm a Mizzou fan, I'm going to get really frustrated because this team's going to lose a lot of games this year. But they also just don't take chances. Like they dink and dunk you to death and, t- and rely on their skill position guys to make plays. But they, uh, they're not there yet. And it's going to be a rough year for them, I think. Yeah, I was definitely impressed with Tennessee. Like you said, this game was never in doubt. You know, it was 14-0 early, and they just they took care of business. Um, and this is honestly why I've I've kind of been I've been waiting on on Jeremy Pruitt because I, I've believed in how how he's been building this program and and having Ty Chandler and Eric Gray. Eric Gray looked great on Saturday, and so if we know about that big offensive line. Now they can run the ball. That's that's exactly how Jeremy Pruitt wants to wants to build his program. So it looked good defensively. I uh, I was very impressed with Tennessee this weekend. Big matchup next weekend. I'm very excited about it. I'm very nervous about Garantano because like if you were to tell me which one I would rather have after this week, Bazelik or Bazelik, whatever, or Garantano, Bazelik was a little bit more intriguing. I don't know. Garantano still just he scares me with some stuff still. Um but you know, it it was it was fine. They did what they needed to do. Speaking of teams doing what they need to do, uh, not the Kentucky Wildcats because they fall to zero and two on the season. Um, really, this is a disastrous start for Kentucky because if you look at their schedule after this, um, these are these opening two games were were games that uh, they needed to be close and like this Auburn team clearly is not as good as we thought they were. Now they fall to Ole Miss and you look at the schedule, you're like, oh, they're they're not going to break five hundred this year because you you can't lose to Ole Miss at home especially not this way. Lane Kiffin comes in. They win 42 to 41 in a thriller. Kentucky loses in one of the worst ways you can lose your team, just missing an extra point in overtime. And then the other team scoring and just making their extra point. Uh, Matt Coral, 24, 29, 320 yards for four touchdowns. There was one person on this podcast before the season started that was pretty certain that he was going to start over John Reese Plumley uh, under center in this Kiffin offense and was probably going to thrive. The other person is Matt Green. Um, <laughs> you're right i'll give you that one i'll give you that one and uh old miss first win in the lane kiffin era it's a wild one shout out to old miss for this win shout out to lane kiffin's drip game i don't know if you saw what he was wearing to the stadium uh yesterday but uh very good look for him joey freshwater he's back and uh <laughs> 
good for Ole Miss and uh, yikes for Kentucky. I was definitely impressed with uh, with Ole Miss, but more important than than dropping to zero and two for Kentucky is just is how they've done it. It's they had, they had over four hundred yards rushing uh, yesterday and had three different hundred yard rushers. It's like that's you don't lose games where you have three hundred yard rushers and and then we know about kind of those the questionable plays and the the goal line issues they had against Auburn and now and to lose a game because you missed the extra point. It's just Kentucky, every Kentucky fan had to have aged 10 years in this game, not only for losing the on that extra point, but did you see Asim Rose for Kentucky, the running back? Uh, yes. You see, he's, he's the bonehead of the week, I think. Is that, <laughs> that's a new segment on our show. Oh, oh my let's God. do that. Let's do bonehead of the week. I like this. We're adding oh, this man, to on that. I, I don't know how long. I think it's like a 70, 70 something yard run where he, he throws up the deuce at about the 10 and gets caught at the three. And then two plays later, the guy fumbles on the goal line and they get no points out of it. It's just, I just don't know how you do that. I feel like you can't wait 10 yards to start celebrating. Like, come on, man. Like, but to be fair, I feel like he. I feel like they got in. I feel like it was the second week in a row, uh, just like against Auburn, where they looked like they got in on one of those plays on the goal line, and the refs didn't give it to them, and they had to run another play, and they turned the ball over. So this just, oh man, with how Kentucky's played in these first two games, they should, they arguably should be two and zero, and they're zero and two. And their schedule is uh, is not getting much easier. It's it's got to be uh, it's got to be discouraging to to rush for 400 yards and six touchdowns on the ground and still come away with a loss. Brutal, brutal for Kentucky. Um, I think that does it for the SEC. Now the main event, the Big Twelve. Who look the Big Twelve canceling themselves out of the playoff before the Big Ten and the Pac-12 even get started is. A nice courtesy from them. Um, I guess if you're an Oklahoma State believer, you're like, are still water listeners. Look, I just, I'm not a believer yet. I've seen this movie before with Mike Bobo. And if you want to tell me that he beats, or Mike Bobo, Mike Gunn, Mike. Okay. Um, if you think that he is uh, beating Texas and Oklahoma in the same season, maybe one of those teams twice, I, I, I don't, I don't think so. Um, especially if Spencer Sanders can't even uh, play much this season um Chibu well and Hunter, that's yeah and that's the other thing it even if they do beat oklahoma and texas this year and they and they're a one loss team like they're not getting the benefit of the doubt nope because this no one looks that good in this conference so it's really it's gonna be 10 and 0 or or no playoff for the, the big 12 i guess in general like the oklahoma state is their last hope they were I think all but two game, all but two teams in the conference have played three games. There's two teams that have still played two games, and Oklahoma State's the only one that's still undefeated after three games. It's the Big Twelve is just looking bad. Texas, number nine in the country coming in. I had predicted a TCU. I didn't. I wanted to pick them to win this game so bad. I really, really did. But I was like, you know, Texas has got Oklahoma the following week. There's no way they they dropped this one right before Oklahoma. And I think this will be close. Gary Patterson's just a better coach than Tom Herman. And he has Tom Herman's number, similar to the way that uh, Chris Kleiman has uh, Lincoln Riley's number. And maybe Matt Campbell now, to an extent. Um, 
Sam Ellinger was not good in this game. Max Duggan was the better quarterback. Max Duggan's just a gamer, dude. 17 carries, 79 yards, two TDs. That guy, he's a great story. Coming back from the heart issue. Um, TCU, yeah. just, they win. 33-31, they moved to 1-1 one one overall. Good for the Horn Frogs. What did you make of this game? Uh, absolutely. I Max Duggan, that's definitely the conclusion I jumped to after this game. I was impressed a lot. He also, with the 79 yards and two touchdowns on the ground, he completed 66% of his passes, 231 yards. I, uh, I'm very impressed with TCU. And I mean, just seeing how you know unpredictable this conference is, I feel like they could win it. Honestly, I, I don't know. I don't know who the best team is in this conference. I, that uh, it's just going to be so up for grabs. And I was really impressed with how they looked on Saturday. And Sam Ellinger, mm, you, you, feel, you still think he's the most underrated uh, quarterback in college football? I'm mad at you, Sam. You hurt my feelings. But honestly, <laughs> they still probably win this game if Keontae Ingram doesn't make. Like speaking of boneheaded plays of the week, Keontae Ingram. Not great, Bob. Yeah, they. Uh, it's a it's a tough did way to lose a game fumble? for Texas. Did you see his fumble on the one in this game? He fumbled on the I one did. yard line. Yeah, that's just you, you can't be you can't be fumbling on the one yard line. Those are the kind of plays that that uh that change games. It's a huge turnaround. On the plus side, the Longhorn Network unveiled, I think, a new show that has Ricky Williams, Fozzie Whitaker, Michael Griffin. As the the people, okay, I like it. Fozzie Whitaker, an all time that's an, name. That's an obscure one right there. Yeah, I remember him. Well, there you go, Texas fans. It's not all bad. Um, <laughs> so at least they got that going for them. The best team in the Big Twelve this year, the Cincinnati Bearcats, moved to three and zero, one and zero in the American. The reason I make a joke about this is that the Big Twelve could have had Cincinnati. They could have had BYU. Both of these teams would have been great additions in a year where the Big 12 is very bad, and they're still called Big 12, even though they have 10 teams. I don't know why this is. It's very annoying. I wish they would just get back to 12. I think they should force them to. It's ridiculous. Um, honestly, just send Nebraska back, send Mizzou back, and we'll call it even if that's what we have to do. Um, they beat South Florida 28-7. to Their offense still not very good, but that defense is legit, and... Uh, I just wanted to include Cincinnati in the Big 12 conversation because I think they're the best team in the Big 12 this year if they played that. Yeah, and without jumping around too much, I mean, with Central Florida getting upset, we can get to that at some point. But uh, Tulsa, also gotta, the best team. You got to think Cincinnati's the the group of five uh, in the group of five driver's seat to get in the playoff. If anyone's going to do it, it looks like it's going to be Cincinnati. It's not going to be Kansas, who fall to 0-3, 0-2 in the Big 12. They lose 47-7 to to Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's offense comes alive without Spencer Sanders. Shane Illingsworth is back under center. He goes 17-23 for 265 and three TDs. Chuba Hubbard gets back in that Heisman conversation. Like Him and Tyler Wallace, unfortunately, play on the same team, so they're going to split votes from each other. So it, that's like one of the downfalls of having these two superstars in your, your roster is that they they're just going to hurt each other in the Heisman voting and who gets the most credit. Tylen Wallace goes nine receptions, 148 yards, two DDs Hubbard, 20 carries, 145 yards, two TDs. They blow out Kansas. Who is maybe the worst team in FBS, the worst power five team there. I would say, yeah, they look like the worst power five team right now. Um, this is definitely what, more of what you were expecting from Oklahoma state, but kind of like we said with LSU, 
playing against an opponent like this. I'm not really sure what conclusions I'm supposed to draw. Kansas is terrible. Oklahoma State at least looked a little better. And, yeah, it's, it was nice to see uh, Chuba Hubbard get going again. And, um, yeah, I mean, they've run the ball well the last couple weeks. Iowa State. And another stunner. We're in the black uniforms at home. Night game against the Oklahoma Sooners. Spencer Rattler goes 25-36, 300 yards, two TDs. But he was not the star of this game. The star of this game that resulted in the Iowa State Cyclones handing Oklahoma their first back-to-back losses in like 30 years. 22 years. 1998. Never did it. Lincoln Riley, to this point, had never done it. I was certain Oklahoma was not going to do it this week. So can we finally say there's something that Lincoln Riley has done that Bob Stoops did not do at Oklahoma? <laughs> that's true. That's that's all I'm saying. I um I can't lie that I didn't get a little satisfaction out of uh, Oklahoma's misery on Saturday uh, with my take that Lincoln Riley is the most overrated coach in college football because I did. And uh, yeah, you just got to wonder, Oklahoma, with, what is this? Two losses to Iowa State in the last three years. Oh man, I just I'm just not sure what to make of this. Oklahoma, they just they can't play defense. I, it's just they get. Last year, everyone told me that oh, this Oklahoma team can play defense, and once they played a, a couple good teams, you saw no, no, they can't. And I just I don't know what the what the deal is with Oklahoma. I was thinking before uh, the show. I wish I wish there was a D somewhere in their name that you could. You could pronounce it without the D because they play no D, you know, kind of like the Asin kid because he had no J early in his uh, in his career. Unfortunately, I couldn't come up with anything that clever. But Oklahoma has no D. It's uh, it's not great. Brees Hall, also a guy who could have been on our stud of the week list. Twenty eight carries, hundred thirty nine yards, two TDs. David Montgomery, who, um. Good for Iowa State. Good for Matt Campbell. Trust the process. The celebration in the locker room after was pretty pretty delightful. Um, yeah, Iowa State, after losing at home to open the season to Louisiana, which doesn't look like a bad loss right now because Louisiana looks really good and they're maybe the best group of five team this year um, outside of Cincinnati. Man, that'd be great. That'd be appetizing. We should do a national title game of just Louisiana versus Cincinnati um, or a final four that includes BYU and uh, somebody else. But um, it's like, that's why the whole system is just kind of garbage that, every, you know, you have these teams like Cincinnati that it's kind of like comparing them to Gonzaga in college football, you know, it's like, or in college basketball, like Gonzaga doesn't get the respect because they play against a bad conference. But at the end of the season, they get to play, they get to prove that they are one of the best teams or they aren't. It's like Cincinnati just doesn't even get a chance to get into the, get to the party and prove that they can actually beat one of these, uh, these big boys. Cause you know, with a 14 playoff, they're just not going to put you They're not going to put in a group of five team, but with, with eight teams, I'd love to see a, a team at least get a shot at it. Yeah. But, uh, I I've long advocated for a group of five playoff. Like it would be a lot of fun. It's not like any of us would not love that and just make it like an FCS thing. If you're not going to allow them in, there's no, what are they playing for? Yeah, exactly. You just win all your games and it's like, no, no, we don't really think you're that good. So you don't you're not going to get invited. Yeah, it's it's not it's a raw deal, in my opinion. Um, Memphis, another team upset uh, by SMU, another option in the big time. 
we're including them because Memphis also could go to the Big 12. Um, wouldn't hate that either. They go down 30-27 to to the SMU Mustangs. Sonny Dykes gets a win here. I called this one outright. Um, yeah, Shane Bichelle getting back on track. The Mustangs, SMU, 4-0. Memphis, 1-1. The one caveat I'll throw out there, SMU's been playing football every week. Uh, Memphis had not for a month. Um, I wonder how much that mattered here. But, uh, yeah, big win for the Stangs. That uh, that could have made a difference for sure. But this may have been an upset to some. But uh, the full ride was all over Sonny Dykes and Shane Bouchel and the the SMU Mustangs. I, uh, I told you last week this could be the game of the year in the American Athletic Conference. After last year's, what was it, 54-48 Memphis win, this is brewing a nice little rivalry in the AAC, SMU and Memphis. So uh, this we thought this would be the game of the year, and it uh, it turned out to be a great game that uh, the Mustangs were able to pull out right at the end. Yeah. Baylor goes down. I figured this is – I wanted to pick West Virginia here. I wanted to pick them. I was like, Baylor, I don't know. These games are always weird. You go through Baylor, West Virginia, it's always weird. Baylor held to seven points through three quarters. This is not the Baylor we remember. Um, Big win for the Mountaineers. Um, Big interception to get them going um, in overtime, double overtime. Charlie Brewer was really off in this game. Um, this This was just ugly. This was a slog. It was... Uh, the biggest win I think for Neil Brown thus far in his tenure in Morgantown. Um, good for the Mountaineers. And uh, if I'm a Baylor fan, I'm like, this probably isn't our year. This is gonna get uh, it, turning Dave Aranda into a full time head coach. It's gonna take some time, I think. He's not gonna be Matt Rule, folks. Yeah, Matt Rule is not walking through that door. And um, I told you, don't uh, you can't just go into Mountaineer Field. <laughs> At Milan Pusker Stadium, which apparently is the name of their stadium. I did not know that. Uh, you can't just go in West Virginia and expect to get the dub. I, uh, I liked West Virginia as the as the home underdog, and they uh, and they won it in overtime. I was I just think we were just kind of no idea what to expect from every Big Twelve team week in and week out. It, it could make it should make for a great uh, entertaining product to watch this year. Lastly, Kansas State beats Texas Tech 31-21. to Texas Tech uh, coming off a all, huge almost win against Texas. They don't look great in this game. Kansas State builds off their win against Oklahoma from a week ago. Uh, Alan Bowman, it's important to point out, was not in this game. It was Henry Columby, not Jet Duffy, who goes 30-42 to 144 yards. Um, Deuce Vaughn has a big day for the Wildcats. Uh, Chris Kleiman building something there where we're talking about like oh who's the maybe the second best team in the Big 12 it's like is it Kansas State like is it the team that lost to Arkansas State at home is it the team that lost to Louisiana at home is it I don't know the Big 12 is just a gigantic mess and I have no idea what to make of it yeah exactly Kansas State looked good I thought thought their offense looked explosive and uh, yeah like you said I think week in and week out I mean who knows Kansas State might be the best team in the Big 12 I think we're just gonna have we're just gonna have to strap in and just ride the roller coaster that is the Big 12 uh, 2020 season yeah 
Um, I just got a note from a friend that Tennessee opens as uh, plus 14 against Georgia next week. Wow, 14. That's a big spread. Yeah, no respect. Um, <laughs> let's move through the end. We'll, we'll breeze through these last couple games. Southern Miss goes to North Texas and beats the Seth Luttrells 41-31 and move to 1-3, and three, get their first win for their like 22-year-old coach. Uh, Southern Miss, do you know who their running back is? Who their running back is. Uh, I believe it's uh, Frank Gore Jr., right? Frank Gore Jr. There's a chance, folks, that he plays football with his father in the NFL. People are concerned with Bronny James. The real the real interest is Frank Gore Jr. playing with his dad in the New York Jets next year. Um, that would be seven. awesome. Have Goes you seen the pictures? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Have you seen the pictures of Frank Gore that's uh, stacked up his profile picture from his rookie year in the NFL? Yeah, he looks the exact same. His picture now, it's hilarious. He really does look the exact same. I feel like he moves the exact same. He does. He was never like a burner or anything. He just is kind of just totes the rock and just, I don't know. It's funny. Got to respect Frank Gore. Air Force blows out Navy 40 to 7. We were both right there. Um, I was at Navy. There's just something wrong there this year. It's not there. Your year Georgia Southern beats a bad UL Monroe team, 35-30, move to two and one. Middle Tennessee State falls to zero and four, loses to Western Kentucky, twenty to seventeen at home. Florida Atlantic, who owns the Atlantic, uh, Willie Taggart goes one and zero in his debut, beating Charlotte, who fall to zero and two. Army moves to three and one, three and zero at home by beating Abilene Christian. 55 to 23 Liberty beats North Alabama 28 to seven to move to three and zero. UAB gives Mr. Wilson his first loss as the university of Texas, San Antonio head coach, the road runners fall to three and one bill Clark's team moves to three and one, one and zero in the CUSA coastal Carolina blows out Arkansas state 52 to 23 to move to three and zero. the uh, catamounts, the Chanticleers, whatever you want to call the Chanticleers. Them. Yeah. Uh, uh, you're, you're thinking of a uh, Western Carolina, that's the, uh, the catamounts. Um, I knew I was, I was in the right ballpark. Um, Georgia state moves to one and one, uh, still Cornelius Brown in their center for them. So, uh, their, their quarterback is not back yet. Uh, East Thurs. Yeah. Thurs. East Carolina <laughs> moves to, uh, Oh, and two. Um, did I miss any other games? I think that's everything um, from this week. Uh, before we get into my favorite segment of the week, are, do you have anything else you'd like to add? Um, I don't know if you if we touched on Central Florida. Uh, oh, we really, did. We danced but, around it. We talked about yeah, it. Yeah, but uh, Tulsa outscored them 22-3 to three in the second half. I'm sure they're just – they can't believe they allowed that game to get away. Just uh, – I mean, the streak has had to end. Look, Tulsa I don't think is that good. UCF will be fine. I think, um, but uh, yeah, not a great uh, situation, but they had the second longest home winning streak in college football, so good for them, but all these streaks have to end at some point. Um, all right. My, my Mustangs, man, they're in the driver's seat. They the are. AAC. People aren't talking Watch about out the playoff. It's time to look at uh, Shane Bouchelle, possible playoff quarterback. Um, this week, we gotta we gotta get into the Georgia high school football scene. Matt Green. <laughs> I watched all of Partview versus uh Marietta on Friday in the evening. I saw you streaming it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I streamed it. I watched I respect it. That. Um you know what's really sad and I feel bad about this. Um 
I hate snitch taggers more than anything. Snitch taggers are awful and just trying to tra- cause drama. There's a reason that we didn't app that person. Um, can, can, I, you, uh, can you enlighten me? A snitch tagger? Snitch tagger. Like if you're talking about somebody, but you don't at them and then someone in the replies ats them to alert them that you're talking about that person. Mm. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a very, very lame thing to do that people should not do. And he, <laughs> this person snitch tagged this poor kid who I think yeah, he's in Atlanta and he like follows me on Twitter, but he was doing the commentating for this game. They don't do a dual booth in this. And he was so bad. And I wrote about like in the opening paragraph. Oh no. And they tagged him and I, I felt horrible because he saw <laughs> the column and he like, uh, you know, constructive criticism is good. And I was like, oh. Oh, that's what he said? Yeah, he was Man, he was I respect about that, it. dude. He's owning it. But he was he was so bad. He he mentioned the crisp fall air in Georgia at least nine times. And um, he thought a third down convert, uh, failed third down attempt was a turnover on downs. Like, he was he was having a rough go of it. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 you I were there. jokes. You were there to friends. call him out for it. Yeah, but I didn't at him. Like he's, I, like, I just hate that because like he didn't need to see that. He's trying. <laughs> he didn't need to see that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's funny to me. I felt I really shit bad about this guy. If I had his back, like a respectable human being. All right, I had some class. I wasn't gonna say it to his face. <laughs> oh yeah, I I felt bad. But anyway, that's he was. Exactly. He was but Parky took care of business, right? They did. They they they're, they score with ease, and like high school football now is just like there's so many athletes. There there's just guys that like they run the same kind of routes. They everyone's always in the gun. Part of you ran a lot of pistol. Um, yeah, it's they just they go downfield. Like they actually were going. Like it's just amazing how different it is. If you watch the 2002 Brookwood Parkview State Championship game, and then you watch this, it's a uh, it's a very different brand of football. Um, we're doing it's a lot of explosive plays and if you don't win the explosive play category you're not going to win that i think the best high school teams are teams that can have a 75 yard play and then drive stall for the next one or two and then you have another 65 yard play but like if you see nine play 85 yard drive what that actually means is like seven plays for four yards or maybe negative four yards and then one play of just 80 like no one has long consistent eight yards here, four yards there. They don't dink and duck you to death. Like it's just one at one point on that drive, your playmaker, your speedster on the outside will beat his guy. And it's, it's over. Like the tackling was terrible in this game. They tackling is so bad in high school football right now. (laughs) Yeah. I, um, it's definitely a wide open game these days. Well, Decatur, Beat Arabia Mountain twenty-two to seven. I know you were on the edge of your seat when I was going to go through some of these scores, and uh, I was blown away. Arabia Mountain looked like they had it this year. The Arabia Mountain Rams. Have you ever climbed Arabia Mountain? I have not. It's a weird, weird hike. People call it. Where, where is that? Is it's that... in Stone Mountain in Lithonia. Okay. Yeah. Um, you're not missing much, but uh, it's long. It's it's okay. I think we need to give Arabia Mountain a little more respect, you know? Like, Kennesaw Mountain gets some love, Stone Mountain gets some love. Where's the Arabia Mountain love? That's that's why I, that's my take. Mill Creek beats <laughs> West Forsyth 20-17. Mill Creek, they're back. You're, you're Forsyth beat. Do you have any West Forsyth nuggets? 
West Forsyth Nuggets? No, I don't. <laughs> not, not off the top of my head. Who, Collins Mill Hill. Creek, you said Mill Creek won that game? Yeah, they did. Nice. Collins Hill beats Alpharetta on the road, 30-22. The Raiders drop one at home. You don't want to see it, folks. I also saw on Forse, in Forsyth County, I don't know if you're aware, Gainesville actually joined the uh, Forsyth County region this year. Why? And so I think because uh, Gainesville has just been kind of like Buford, kind of steadily working their way up. So like they're a city school, right? Mm-hmm. So they don't have the actual population of these other schools that were on their like they don't have the same uh, enrollment as the the biggest the seven A schools, mm. but they're a city school, so they're kind of like people know how much better they are. I don't know. There's kind of special rules. I know they made a few years back for schools like Buford and Gainesville to kind of get them to face uh, level competition, and so now they're up in seven A and they're they played Forsyth Central uh, this past week, and got the dub thirty three twenty eight. You love it, folks. Um, Red Elephants, one of the great all-time mascots. Yeah, it is great. Um, Milton, losing at home to Cedar Grove, 14-7. Milton, what is happening? That's a good question. Milton, uh, I mean, Cedar Grove is big time. So Are they? That's a Oh, yeah. Cedar Grove is always like, I think they may have won state last year. They're like, they're in the state championship like almost every other year. Hmm. Well, They've, uh, they produce some big time dudes. Uh, Jaden Hazelwood, that's at Oklahoma now. And a few few Georgia players have come from Cedar Grove. Interesting. Um, McEachern beats Newton with my favorite score, eight to seven this week. Wow, eight to seven. I do you know anything about it? Do no, they, but I I'm so curious. Did they just they score in the final minute. They're like, we're going for it. Let's go for the win. That's what I hope. That's what I hope. Um, Wait, we can just pretend that that's what happened. Yeah, I think so. Discovery, your Discovery Titans. Go on the road to Burkmar. <laughs> they go on the road and beat Burkmar, thirty-three to Oh, that's got to be a rivalry. I think. Uh, right? I think Discovery took a lot of took a lot of kids from Burkmar when they opened up a few years back. Your Gainesville Red Elephants go on the road to Forsyth Central and beat them, thirty-three twenty-eight. Forsyth Central, my only nugget there. Really, really country that area i remember driving through it at one point and i was like oh this is like because i think that's where like downtown Forsyth is and everything and there's like this yeah coal mining mountain and stuff and i'm just like where am i had to get yeah coal mountain i think i don't know if that's like an actual city or it's kind of an area that's coal mountain is where north Forsyth is okay but uh but yeah Forsyth central it's always kind of been the it's always kind of been like the black sheep of of Forsyth. i feel like (laughs) like south south Forsyth and west Forsyth and lambert have such this like uppity prestigious kind of uh feel yeah. whereas Forsyth central seems like the uh, the other side of the tracks with all due respect <laughs> no, no no shade throwing at Forsyth central archer goes on the road and beats your alma mater north Gwinnett bulldogs 14 13 ah i was crushed by this one ah you know we just we weren't able to uh sustain enough drives you know you gotta get off the field on third down I'm sure that applies to this game, right? <laughs> the last game I'll mention. Your your fiance's team. I was about to say you better this better be the one you're going to say. I'll let you I'll let you finish. The rivalry of Lawrenceville, whatever road you call the, the Battle of Gravel Springs. That's what I was calling it. <laughs> the Battle of Gravel Springs. Did Aquila Falcons go on the road 
Mountain View beat him 49-27. Mountain View's head coach follows me on Twitter, but I'm sorry, sir. Uh, Tequila. Just, Tequila's back. You'd love to see it. Your hometown, your team, your local Kroger's team, you're excited about it. Oh, yeah. The vibe in this city is just electric (laughs) right now. Uh, The Tequila Falcons, you know, they're winning some games, and uh, everyone's happy about it. It's that new turf. That's what it is. Uh, you're all about that turf. Did you get your run in this week? Did you do your? Ah, you know, I uh, we haven't we haven't gotten to that. I'm still uh, still in the in the training phase. We'll uh, we'll see. You know, it's, it was a busy weekend. You know, had a lot going on. I'll uh, I'll get up there and get my eight minute mile. Prove the haters wrong. <laughs> are you going to practice at all before this happens, or are you just going to wing it? I've been going on uh, on some jogs. You know, some uh, <laughs> with uh, with Zeus. So. Uh, Granted, he he might be slowing me down. He uh he he gets a little endurance isn't his uh isn't his forte. Yeah, he's like four hundred pounds. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! How dare you, sir? You put some respect on Zeus's name, all right? He's he's at a cool one twenty five. He's a big boy. He's a big boy, that's for sure. And honestly, I can't even I can't even hate. He if if he didn't get tired, I would get tired. So uh, he uh he bails. He might out. not push me, but we're on the same level. Yikes. Um, I just looked up West Forsyth and Tequila have the exact same uniforms. Yeah, they really do. They have that that navy and and gold look. Literally nothing on the helmet. West Forsyth kind of sprinkles. Yeah, they kind of sprinkle in some green in there though. They're West both Forsyth. Under Armour too. Oh, is that right? This is weird. Um, yeah. Also, the private school starting a private school. The uh, Brock Vandergrift. You see that <laughs> leading uh, Prince Avenue Christian to a fifty-two twenty-six win over Westland, mm-hmm. take him to the woodshed. You feel good about the Vandegrift era? Oh yeah, man, Vandegrift. He's a uh... as long as he can avoid Gunner Stockton. <laughs> uh, bring on Gunner Stockton, man. We'll uh, we'll see if he even ends up at South Carolina if they have a regime change before he's still got one more year left in high school. It's true. Well, that's all I've got, Matt Green. Uh, do you have anything else you would like to add before we get out of here today? Um, I just want to say uh, we had some adversity, you know, this week with uh, with that Thursday podcast. But I think I think we bounced back and uh, we're better than ever. I think so. You hit record before we started recording, right? Oh, shit. I'm the... <laughs> <laughs> Matt Green, always a pleasure, sir. We'll be back on Thursday. Uh, you have a good week and uh, talk to you soon. Yes, sir. All right. That'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. Did you like what you heard? Heard? Did you like what you heard? I think is what I'm trying to say, right? That's what I'm trying to say. That's the correct English. Um, then guess what? Here's what you do. You go to Apple. You leave it five stars. You leave a review. You let people know why they should listen to this show. You go to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas writer. You become a member. $5 a month. Go do it. You can do more. I'm not going to say no. Um, go to chasemuspodcast.com. Read all my stuff. Chasemuspodcast slash page hyphen 11. It's great stuff. Writing every day. Doing the pod every day. Support the best independent sports podcast today. No one's doing what I'm doing. Nobody can touch me. Let's keep this thing moving. Let's keep the lights on. Let's keep getting after it. I'm hyped up. Follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas. Like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Thank you all for your support as this show continues to grow. We'll be back. Yeah, tomorrow. 
because guess what this show is daily and it's all thanks to you guys talk to you soon Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.